You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway, an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Break a Bat quarantine series. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you from my Midtown apartment as we continue on with the show. Uh, Really grateful for all the continued support as we go through this. Alongside me tonight is my awesome producer, the Duke of New York, Mr. (laughs) Alan Seals. (laughs) I feel like like that's like the chant and fanfare that people get in baseball or something, (laughs) or or WWF, you know, when you walk down, he's like, explosions, explosions. <laughs> we're we're bringing you right into our world of uh sports and athletics now, Alan. You can't escape it. I you can try. You can try. I, I'm holding on to my nerdness so well. <laughs> You're the best. We appreciate all you do. And um, you know, we have a particularly interesting show tonight. Um, our very special hitter joining us in the batter's box. Uh, is a former Olympic swimmer, Miss Melinda Harrison. And Melinda recently authored a book titled Personal Next, uh, which touches not only on her own experience uh, and career transition, but themes that I think are really important and appropriate for both athletes and actors who are navigating a lot of uncertainty uh, in their respective industries right now. Um, I think it's, like I said, super important, super appropriate. And uh, she it, it's a great read, and she's nice enough to call in today. So uh, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee. Now batting, Melinda Harrison. How are you, Melinda? Great. And thanks for having me. You know, it's so interesting that you brought that up about the links between actors or actresses and athletes. One of the great things that I learned in this book is that those that have reached pinnacles they're going to go through something. And um, no matter if you're done a production or you're done a movie or you're done a, you know, done your sporting career, you're going to go through something. Yeah. And this is uh, certainly a one of a kind thing that we're going through right now. Um, And I I do have to tell you, one of the silver linings through it all was reading your book. I really enjoyed personal next. It's um, it's something special for sure. And so fitting for the times that we're in. Thank you. You just gave me a goosebump moment. So I wrote it for people. So I'm so thrilled that you enjoyed it. 
I think it's a pretty amazing because I know that a lot of this, um, a lot of what's in the book is heavily based on your own experiences. Can you tell the folks at home a little about your background and some of the personal bests that you achieved in your uh, Olympic career? Sure. So um, I'm, I w- was a swimmer. I'm now called a swammer. And, um, you know, I, I started early. I love, that is such yeah. a dad joke. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what well, is? If you hashtag swammers, you're going to be amazed at how many people <laughs> hashtag swammers. So I started my swimming career very interesting. Um, I was in the sea pool of the London Y Aquatic Club in London, Ontario, and I won a trip up to a camp. And at that camp, the lady who ran the camp, Rosemary Dawson, and her husband, Buck Dawson, who also ran the International Swimming Hall of Fame, said, you've got potential. And I went, great. What am I going to do with this potential? I'm in the sea pool of the London Y Aquatic Club. And they said to me, why don't you come to my school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? So at 13, I said, sure, I'll go. And I went home a week later, and my dad and mom goes, What's the, what the heck are you thinking about going to school in Florida? And anyway, a week later, I was on the plane. So I guess my determination started, you know, it showed up then. Um, I was very fortunate to get some amazing coaching down at Pinecrest and um, ended up qualifying for the Pan Am team in 1979 and then um, trying to make the Olympic team in 1980. Little blip there. So once we boycotted, for those who don't remember, 1980 Olympics were boycotted by quite a few countries, but specifically U.S. and Canada. And once the boycott was announced, I actually took my foot off the brake and started to be a senior in high school and enjoy enjoy all the other things I hadn't done through throughout my high school career and didn't qualify for that Olympic team. So pivotal lesson in my life. I then went on to University of Michigan. I swam for the Wolverines. I ended up, I think, a multiple Big Ten champion, multiple All-American, second at the NCAAs, a two-time captain there. Um, so I had a really successful college career, but the Olympics were still my goal. So in 1984, I redshirted the year and trained, trained full-time, made the Olympic team. Was That was the pinnacle. And then, surprisingly, I went to the Olympics, and um, I wasn't prepared because my goal was to make the Olympic team, not necessarily swim at the Olympics. Another life lesson. What what does redshirted mean? You said you redshirted the team? Yeah, redshirt means when you take a year off of eligibility. And oh, is, that then, a, is that a sporty thing that I should know? <laughs> it's a collegiate sporty thing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we see it a lot with football as well. And it's funny you mentioned the Michigan Wolverines. I feel like that's uh, that's very much a thing that they do with both football and basketball there as far as some of their uh, athletic recruits. Yeah, they do. I mean, lots of people want to go there. So, you know, they have more of a five-year program for some of their athletes than a four-year program. Imagine they, they have a great uh, acting program there as well, Alan. Actually, Jane Bruce, who you know, you mm-hmm. uh, grad, and maybe you have a lot of people in the industry who come well, out of there. So many people come out of come Taylor out of Michigan. Taylor Louderman there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of people. people. Yeah, a bunch of them. Um, and backstroke was your stroke, right, Melinda? It was. Yeah. Where, you know, you make the Olympic team. You feel as though you weren't prepared in the, as far as what the expectations were. Is, is that accurate? 
I think, you know, and I talk about this in the book that you can go on this athlete autopilot where you get so used to listening to your coach. And after I qualified for the Olympics, which you have to be, you know, top 20 in the world, it's a significant accomplishment to qualify. My coach and the coach in the national team said, okay, now you need to go two seconds faster to make the final at the Olympic Games. And, you know, I had spent the whole year trying to make the Olympic team. And so, of course, you know, the first thing I did was go, yeah, I can go two seconds faster. I mean, what are you going to say to your coach? And, you know, you're going to the Olympics, so you're going to believe that you can go two seconds faster. It really was quite unrealistic. You know, I'd spent a whole year trying to go a second faster and had accomplished that goal at Olympic trials. So, you know, I think when I got to the Olympics, I just, I just didn't have the belief in myself. I believed that the coaches thought I could do it, but I didn't believe that I thought I could. And then on top of that, you know, athletes are so accustomed to pleasing their coaches. I hate to say it, but it's one of the, one of the qualities that we learn as athletes, you know, they give you a pat on the black on the back and you go, thanks, you know, and it's just a, it's a natural thing that happens is that you constantly are trying to please your coach and get attention from your coach. So you could be chosen on the team. And so, you know, that was something else I didn't realize back then is that, you know, there was an aspect of constantly trying to please my coach. And because I did that, I didn't necessarily listen to myself. How do you develop your inner voice uh, to, to the point where you can actually, you know, trust trust your own word and, you know, cause you, you obviously need some level of confidence to even be in the position you were in. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a great question. And, you know, I explore confidence in the book because it's, it's such an important aspect of achievement. And, you know, I, I do it now a completely different way. I mean, I was 21 at the time. Now I, I write down my wins every day. So I actually you know, keep a log of things that are going well for me. And that builds my muscle of confidence so that, for example, I'm sitting here talking to you guys. And, you know, I haven't done a podcast like this before. So am I nervous? Sure. But, you know, I, I also have done other talks and things like that. So I can look back at that win list and say, yeah, I've got this. I'll be fine. You know, I know what I'm talking about. So I think... That's one of the tricks that I do is keep this ongoing daily win list of things that, you know, I know I've done well, not that anybody else will see that list, but I know I've done well. Now, what was it that made you want to get into the line of work that you're in now? Because, you know, you've done so much advising and consulting to so many prominent athletes. Um, Where did that motivation come from? So... 2012, 2013 was a, was a really tough year for me. My dad died. And um, then our youngest child went off to college. She went down to University of North Carolina, the Tar Hills. And um, then in January, a neighbor of ours died by suicide. And so I'm thinking, what am I going to do with my life now? You know, I'm 50 years old, you're going through that 50 year old stuff and um thinking what am I going to do how am I going to add value to the world here and 
I actually came up with this crazy idea that having seen athletes suffer and having gone through that experience of uh, my neighbor and fellow Olympian, I, I thought, what if I could interview a hundred people that had gotten through this messy middle part of athlete transition? And what would that tell me that I could help my clients? So I never intended to write a book. It was all about how could I help my clients? How could I provide a program for athletes? You know, it was never, I never sat back and thought, this is all going into a book. It wasn't until I realized that I couldn't get the message out to a wide enough audience because, you know, I only, I only take on 12 clients at a time so I can give the time to my clients. So, you know, it was really the way that I could get this message out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Do you have a good uh, case study or an example of one of your clients who you feel like really um, responded well to your system? Because in your book, you talked about nine practices that are the blood, sweat, and tears that make the yeah. happen down the road. Um, and that those were proficiency, regulation, attitude, commitment, tuning in, identity, confidence, emotions, and secure base. Who that you worked with, if you could give us maybe a little story, yeah. um, insight into that as to who really benefited from those. Yeah, I, I have lots of them. So one that comes to mind is a rugby player that I worked with. So, uh, you know, a uh, very committed, she'd been involved in sports since age five or six, probably, you know, started playing rugby at about age 11. And then, you know, she figured out, she got through college, graduated, was captain of her team, et cetera. And then she was lost. And it was her parents that actually contacted me and said, can you help? And so I worked with her and we worked on each of those practices. You know, the interesting thing about the practices is that when you're in sport, to achieve is really hard. So if we're looking at actress, actors and actresses, it's really hard. You have to really work at your craft. And the same is for athletes. And, you know, if you really want to be best in the world, you have to work really, really hard at it. And so with this particular client, what happened to her is there's this absence of these things. So she, you know, she knew she was good in rugby. She didn't know what she was good in, in another area. And so we worked on her proficiencies. You know, what is it? We had to explore what actually was interesting to her. 
And what, you know, because she didn't have anything other than uh, any other interests other than doing sports and getting her degree in school. It was all that she wanted was to, to play rugby. And then, you know, she had to have some regulation back into her life. She was so used to having the schedule of the, the team practice and the team requirements and the team social events and, the, you know, the team code of conduct. And, you know, even though she was a highly motivated individual, she, you know, she didn't have that pull along schedule that I, that I talk about with athletes. So all sorts of things like this. And, you know, she, she went through a messy middle. There's no question about it. But now she's, you know, she's doing great. She's, um, I'm not going to tell you what she's doing, but she's doing great. She's, you know, excited about her career and, um, you know, really moving forward. So I'm really proud of her. I said before how this is just such an unprecedented thing that we're going through. And I feel like, Especially, you know, our show primarily focuses on baseball and theater. Um, and you have so many different things, so many different plot lines and storylines for, you know, some of the great individuals who are involved in both mediums right now. Um, based on your experience, I want to give you two different examples of things right now. And if you could just, you know, maybe provide us your thoughts on um, if you were in their shoes, how you would respond to what's going on. The first is, Let's talk about someone who's pretty dear to our show. His name's Araldus Chapman, six-time All-Star for the Yankees. He holds the record for fastest pitch ever thrown. He's thrown 105 miles per hour twice. He's in the heart of his prime, putting together one of the greatest careers ever among any closer. And he mm -hmm. was going into 2020 with a vengeance mm -hmm. after the Houston Astros got the best of him in the playoffs last year to end the Yankee season. He was primed working out harder than anyone else in baseball talked about how he, how he felt he's become much more mature and an intelligent pitcher uh, after some of his experiences now, which are pushing about a decade in baseball, which is kind of amazing. I feel like a huge, a huge part of his career narrative was going to be what he did in 2020. And now there's a lot of talk that, you know, you might have a 100, 100 to 110 game baseball season, which in the minds of a lot of fans, you know, kind of has like, an asterisk to it. This guy's in the heart of his physical peak. Right. You know, he's coming up on 31. He just turned 31 years old, 32 years old. Um, if you're him right now, what's going through your mind, you know, knowing that a huge part of your narrative and your legacy is hinging on a season that unfortunately is going to be dictated uh, by how we respond to something way bigger than us uh, as a country. Right. And uh, I mean, it's a great example. Um, lots of things are going through my mind. First of all, you know, someone like that, money isn't relevant. And so he needs meaning right now. He needs to have some kind of meaning day in and day out because his whole life has revolved around this meaning of performance. And the performance right now is, is taken away from him. And it's, it's not like he can even really go to the baseball stadium and, and practice the performance. I mean, I'm assuming they're all closed, like they've closed everything else up here. So, you know, the first thing is that, you know, I, I would be saying, you know, start discovering other meanings in your life, you know, define success as the stats that you're accumulating, but also recognize that your self-worth is separate from your success. And 
you're great. Like he's, he's great because he's done a lot of wonderful things in terms of accomplishments in baseball, but I'm sure he's great in other ways too. Um, So that's the first thing that goes through my mind. The second thing is that it's really important that athletes right now step back and recognize the loss they're going through. And it's not just a loss of a season. It's, it's a loss of daily habits. Um, it's a, it's a loss of the relationships with your teammates. And so what can you do to feel like you've got a little bit of control around those? Um, you know, make sure that you're writing your own daily habits. So try and keep, keep going with what you can do because there are going to be two types of athletes that come out of this. One is going to be the athlete that, that has figured out how they can do the best they can given the situation. And the other one's going to be the athlete that's sitting in the basement playing bit video games all day. And all of a sudden the call comes and you're going to start again and you'll know which athletes did what. There's a big parallel to the Broadway community too. Because there are so many people in shows that are so demanding, so physically exhausting, and to immediately have to go back to an eight-show-a-week schedule, my guess is that if the producers are smart and they want to avoid injury, they won't do it first. Because you're going to have to have a ramp up. You have to have a warm-up time. Or Or maybe they'll come back and spend a month rehearsing again. Maybe they'll go back into previews again. I, I, I would imagine that's true. I also think that they'll, you know, it's going to take a while to get people back to the theaters. So while people might be able to, to um, do rehearsals, it, it probably is going to take a couple of weeks or a few weeks. So they're going to have this place that they probably can practice their craft in without necessarily being live in, in a theater. So, but it is the same thing. You know, I, I always say, Actors, actresses, dancers, you know, singers, they're all like athletes. They develop their craft from a young age and they continue to want to achieve in that craft. And then one day they can't anymore because of a multitude of issues, either injury, age, um, someone gets better or more famous than them, et cetera, et cetera. To Alan's point, I thought that was really interesting, um, especially because like even with baseball, we were in the heart of spring training about two weeks from opening day. And one right. thing that we've been talking about now throughout baseball is when we are cleared to play. First of all, a lot of guys are going to have to start fresh. So you're probably going to have to go to Arizona and Florida to restart spring training for at least probably three weeks to get these pitchers arms built back up. Right. And especially with Broadway too, there's such an athleticism behind it uh, that, yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all if there, you know, there had to be some sort of like a reset button that we push uh, just to touch on what you mentioned as far as something, uh, you know, regarding Aralda Chapman and how money isn't relevant, a Broadway actor or actress's life. Um, Listen, it's it's filled with a lot of uncertainty just based right. on the nature of the business. But obviously, mo- you know, in 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 those cases, for the, for the most part, money's a big part of it. Um, and you know, a lot of these actors and actresses have had their livelihoods stripped, you know, from right right, right underneath them. Um, let's say you have an actor or an actress that was starring in a show that's more or less shaped their reputation, or they were about to star in an expected blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And now that show is either going to have to flat out close or open or won't open at all. You're kind of like starting from scratch. 
Um, what particular practice do you think should be central uh, for that person out of the, you know, the nine that you highlight in your book? Yeah. So I think that emotional, emotional regulation, like understanding how your emotions and your attitude. So I would put two of them. Often the practices interact. Um, but I would say attitude and emotion, because you can let yourself get your emotions, get the best of you. And so, you know, it's really important that you understand how to keep your emotions in check. And those, I mean, they're great at it. When they go on stage, they're, you know, they know how to do this. So they've done it before in their craft. This is the time they really need to use those wins that they've had before and apply it to what's going on right now. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's so funny how you mentioned wins that you had that you've had before when, you know, for me, for example, I'm the type of person I used to love to, uh, take stock in a lot of the things that I had accomplished in the past, but it was keeping me from living in the present. But when, you know, in this case, when the present has so much uncertainty, so, you know, you really do have to fall back on, you know, some of those things that you accomplished in the past and really take stock in that because that's how you're going to respond strongly. You know, once we come out of this thing. Right. And I'm never one to, I mean, I, I learned a lot of great lessons being an athlete. And one of them was when I finished a race, you know, uh, and you did well, you patted yourself on the back, you went, yay, I did well. And you accomplished the goals and you forgot to think about, well, what did I learn out of that? Because you were just so excited that you did well. And then when you lost a race, you did the opposite. You went to your coach and you constantly you know, so, well, what can I do better? And how can I do this? And, you know, what can I improve on? And I, I messed up here. And, you know, you really dig into the, the weaknesses that you have. So one of the important things is to do both. Don't forget about the weaknesses, um, but also recognize the strengths. We tend not to recognize the strengths and the things we're doing well, because we're constantly trying to get better at the things we don't do well. But you know, deep inside of us, we need that confidence that there are things we're doing well. And so just take a minute each day and not to, not for a braggadocious, you know, for something to brag about to the world, just write down quickly what went good today. Alan, you know who always used to say, don't rest on your laurels in baseball? Hmm. Babe Ruth. <laughs> a little bit more modern, but Derek yeah. Peter. 
Bo yeah. Jackson. <laughs> That's in the modern category, but you know, it's funny though. He wouldn't, uh, he always used to say that, you know, you don't rest on your laurels. He was always looking forward, looking forward, looking forward until, you know, he finally, towards the end of his career, he came, you know, across some adversity just because he was older. He was bat- battling a lot of injuries, but, uh, one of the funny things was if you look at like his uh, spring training press conference going into his final 2014 season, you know, a lot of people were asking him, you know, how do you, you know, you hit 188 in the 17 games that you played last year. How do you know that you could revert back to your old, you know, your old form? He's like, you know, I go back to the formulas. I go back to the systems uh, that have made me right. successful in the past. I'm not going to be driven you know, off of the back of my baseball card, I'm going to be driven off of the systems that I know can make me successful. So Melinda, to, you know, to all of your points, I think that's, that's going to be super relevant now because these are, uh, these are certainly more adverse times than a 40 year old shortstop coming off a broken ankle. Yeah. And you look, I mean, you look at Derek now and I mean, he's doing such a great job at what he's doing. So, you know, he's figured out that he can take those lessons of, you know, don't look backwards, look forward and apply it to, you know, the, the platform that he's got right now. And it it really is a place for players to have a chance to, to tell their stories. And I mean, I read it every day. Oh, you're talking about the player's tribune. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. So I, I mean, I read it every day. I get it in my mailbox and, you know, I'm constantly scanning it to see, Okay, which practices are in play when in the stories that they're, the athletes are telling them? And they're all over the place there. They're all constantly referring it to them in their own words. But it, it's, um, you know, I really admire how he has stepped away from a certain aspect of his life and tried to, you know, give back and provide a platform for athletes to speak. You know, it's funny. I was talking with uh, Brett Boone recently, who used to play for the Seattle Mariners. His brother's yeah. actually Yankee manager now. Yeah. Um, you know, you just uh, on your point earlier about, um, you know, we talk, we've talked in the past about fans driving the performance. Actually, Alan, you were there when Kate Rockwell was talking about that on our show. Uh, and it's so, it's so similar for baseball. Yeah. Um, if, if we are under, a circumstance where players have to play in, in empty stadiums for a little while. Do we just, you know, as fans, are we just grateful that the game is back or do, do you know, do we, do we bask in that, that FOMO, that fear of missing out that, uh, you know, we're not there. Well, you know, for us fans, what message do you have, um, you know, for the baseball fans and the Broadway fans, uh, if we do come back and how we should, uh, how we should respond to it? Well, I think we have to support everybody. And so obviously health is the number one risk um, that we have to be aware of. And, you know, we have to make sure that whatever environment um, the individuals are in is a safe and healthy environment. And, you know, similar to the Olympics, it's not just the athletes, it's the officials, it's all the people that organize the game. It's, um, you know, all the people that help with the production. So being safe is the first thing and, and making sure that you're in this environment until, until we know there's a vaccine um, that's available to everybody and that we can protect ourselves. I think safety is the number one thing. I think, you know, as a fan, I mean, I'm, you know, I, 
if I watch TV, I watch sports. You know, I want, I love, you know, all sorts of sports, college football, tennis. I love golf, but I love playing golf too. So, um, you know, baseball, I mean, there are anything I like watching sports. So obviously I'm not watching sports right now because there's nothing on and I don't really like watching repeats. So will I like watching an event with no fans? It's going to be weird, but it's better than what I than what's on right now. Just the news. So we won't care that we won't have to, that we won't get to be there at opening day. You know, tailgating in the parking lot and you know waiting to go into Yankee Stadium at you know ten thirty in the morning. We'll we'll just be happy that the game's back. Then we'll right? care. We'll care. But it's like everything. I mean, do you you know? Do you care whether you get your food delivered right now or whether you can go to a restaurant? Like, you know, we have to make a compromise. So at least, you know, hopefully the compromise will start with, you know, athletes and actors and actresses being able to work on their craft and get prepared for when they can come back. And if there are some cases where they can't come back and perform in other with people watching them, well, let's hope they can at least come back. Yeah, I think it's it's a new norm. People don't like change, and then they can't live without it. Right. So, I mean, it's I I don't think it's a situation where we're going to say, "Oh, this is great with no fans. We're going to keep it like this." But I think the first couple will be weird, and then it will become normal. You know, right now there are late night shows and with Fallon and Colbert, and everybody is just in in Trevor Noah. Everybody's doing the show from their house. They're, yeah, they're doing what we're doing. We're, we're connecting on the internet, recording, yeah. and then sending it off for people to, to process. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's what it is now. And yeah. knowing that we can't control it, I think, has a, sort of a cathartic effect in that you know, we can just kind of let it go. You know, so like the new norm, we can't change it. We'll just wait until it gets better. I mean, we can do our part to stay safe. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But, um, you know, like we're being told it's out of our control. We're being told stay in place. Don't go around and everyone's trying to be safe and stay healthy and, you know, ultimately not lose their lives in worst case scenario. So this is just what we do. Right. And I think, you know, people at first thought, oh, well, I won't get it. I'm young or I'm healthy or I work out every day. Right. And, you know, I read today about the congressman that went had, you know, in, I don't know where he was in one of the states. And, you know, he said it was the worst thing he ever experienced. And he's 45 and he runs and he works out every day. So, you know, it is a concern. And the last thing we want is for anybody to get it. Um, it you don't have to be an athlete or an actor or actress. I mean, you just don't want the people that you love to, to get sick. Yeah. Uh, that's right. for sure. Uh, now, Melinda, where can everyone get more information on Personal Next? Where can they buy the book and where could they find more info about you? So uh, MelindaHarrison.com, obviously, is the best place to go because, it, you know, it talks about the book. It talks about some other programs. One of the things that I'm doing that I'm very proud of is it was supposed to release, be released in May. It'll probably be June now because of this. But, you know, I'm developing an online program for athletes that can't afford coaching because there are you know we talk about you know our famous athletes or you know the ones that that those are the ones that are in in the news and you know a very very small number of athletes actually make money and walk away from the sport with money and so you know there's a whole bunch of them out there that that just can't afford it 
And so, you know, I, uh, one of the commitments I made to each of my interviewees was to provide a resource for athletes. The book is the first thing, you know, I think it's a, it gets people going. It's, it's written so that people can get curious and they can apply it to themselves. But if, if there's athletes out there that need some actual help, then the online program will help them because, you know, it, it walks them through a regular coaching program at a fraction of the cost. So I'm very proud of that. that that'll be launching in June. And, um, you know, I'm on Instagram at Melinda Harrison. Um, you know, the book you can buy at uh, Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Obviously, uh, you know, any pre-orders are greatly appreciated because then they you know, when the release date comes April 21st, that's when if there's a lot of pre-orders, then it can get into stores when they open up the stores again. But, you know, I hope people buy it. I think it's a good resource. Oh, that's wonderful, Melinda. And, um, you know, yeah, listen, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. I think that, you know, yours is a story that a lot of people can draw inspiration from and and the book, especially, you know, the principles that you preach here are unbelievable. And, um, you know, it, for the for the sports community and the theater community, uh, especially, uh, you know, we're so grateful that there's people like you out there, you know, who have a voice and a platform that are trying to help. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. And you guys be safe in New York. And um, I'll look forward to following you on other shows. It's been great to be here. For Break a Bat and the Broadway Podcast Network, um, we're going to sign off. Alan, thank you, as always, for doing such a great job in production. Thank you, Alan. It's always good to be here. And once again, thank you to Melinda. My pleasure. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.